Welcome to the Powered by Age, age-friendly city Zoomcast reality-style podcast. We are movers and shakers, shaking up the old notion of silent, helpless, invisible seniors. This is a new series of podcasts funded by the City of Vancouver and the 411 Senior Center Society. As PBA AFC ambassadors, we raise awareness, share our original stories and poems, inform, advocate, and involve seniors in discussing important social issues. In short, these podcasts will help us, you, in creating an age-friendly city for Vancouver today, tomorrow the world. You can hear us everywhere podcasts are heard. Good afternoon. I'm Charlotte Farrell. Happy to welcome you here for our Thursday Powered by Age, Age-Friendly City podcast creation program, which is a Zoomcast. And we usually start by having each person introduce themselves. And I'm going across my left to right. So, well, I'll start with yeah, Veronica. But Veronica is a special guest, and she's going to be more thoroughly introduced by Pat. But we'll just start right now with you saying who you are, First and last name. So if people follow through the broadcast and they hear your name, they'll know who you are. Sure. So it's Veronica Grossi, and I'm the program manager at Volunteer Grandparents. Uh, pardon me? Um, my name is Veronica Grossi, and I'm the program manager at Volunteer Grandparents. At Volunteer? Grandparents. Grandparents. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Marion, we have the honor of having the chairman of the 411 board on the line with us. Yeah, I'm Marion Pollock, and I'm the board president of the 411 Senior Center. Okay, Leslie. Uh, yes, my name is Leslie Hebert. I'm a longtime New Westminster resident, uh, an ESL teacher. I teach online. Um, also a writer, a uh, member of the New Westminster Literary Arts Society, and a, a common, a regular attendee at Poetic Justice. Uh, Pat? Hi, I'm Pat Hogan, and I'm, um, among other things, I'm a member of Quirky, which is a queer imaging and writing collective for elders, and I've been with them since the start, which has been about 13 or 14 years now. Uh, also, for a lot of years, um, put on events and concerts with my production company I still do a bit I still do a bit not as much as I used to but I'm still in there okay Gail yes uh, Gail Harwood I am a member of oh hi um, I'm a member of 411 seniors I live in the People's Republic of East Van um, I I guess I, I've been writing poetry. I've, I'm a novelist, uh, and but I started writing poetry, and I guess I'm back to poetry again, which suits me fine. Um, and I'm also a photographer, so uh, I've taken pictures many, many, many years. Uh, and uh, uh, anything else? Oh yes, I, I also um, tutor have uh, private students online, so the students have become online now. So. That's who I am. Wonderful. Robin. I'm Robin Erickson, and I am a community radio maker. Um, and 
yeah, I guess a bunch of other things, but that's uh, my my sort of primary interest in in being here and uh, hopefully a resource to you. And brings us to Luke. Oh, can you hear me? Yes. <clears throat> yeah, my name is Luke. Uh, I'm basically helping out with the tech supports and uh, backend data management and all that kind of stuff. Okay, so uh, Pat invited a special guest and maybe for people who may not remember, you can give us a connection to uh, the story that you uh, read a couple of weeks ago. Right. Well, the story is about Grandpa John and Grandpa John was uh, our volunteer grandparent. I thought it was called something else back then, but I'm not sure about that. Anyway, volunteer grandparent itself, the organization had just started up and um, Myself with my two kids, a son and a daughter, we were the first matched uh, family, a couple, um, to to under that organization. And so this story was about Grandpa John, who was quite a interesting, unique individual, and who had, we stayed with for quite a few years. And after, even after my son grew up, he used to on his way through Vancouver. He was always traveling around the world. He would stop and see Grandpa John, who by this time is now in a <coughs> care facility, and they'd play chess together. And he he was he was a good friend of his. So, anyway, that's a little bit about the story, and uh, and also so that led me to think I'm wondering if volunteer grandparents are still around because it's been many years. So I went online, and that's how I met Veronica and found out yes indeed, and she knew she knew something about the start of it. So. Anyway, that's the background. So Veronica is going to share with us now more of an over, overview of uh, volunteer grandparents and uh, some examples of what they do and then uh, an invitation of people, any people within our group would like to get involved. Yeah, so so happy to uh, hear from Pat. We love to uh, hear about the history of the organization. So. Volunteer Grandparents was started by a social worker who was working at the Crisis Centre in Vancouver. And um, back in the early 70s, she uh, received back-to-back -back calls, um, first from a, a senior who was feeling really isolated, had no family around. And then the second call that she received was from a single parent who was really struggling raising their, their child. And so she hung up the phone at the Crisis Centre and said, why can't we put these two people together? They're looking for the same thing. They're looking for connection. They're looking for community. They're looking for support. And so she turned to her friend, Nancy Kirk, who was the volunteer coordinator at the crisis center at the time and said, you know, what can we do? How can we put these people together? And Nancy said, I know you can do it. So basically that's how it started. She just she just saw a need in the community for connection. And so she, Marjorie went through applying for grants and secured a little bit of funding through the government and grew out the organization. Um, I think that's originally in, um, in Vancouver and West Broadway and then probably over about 20 years ago, it moved to Burnaby. And we're currently stationed at the Holdham Sky Train Station um, in Burnaby. So I'm the program manager currently at Volunteer Grandparents, and we still offer our, we offer two core programs, basically. Um, the one that Pat participated in sounds like 
um, the Family Match program, and that's where our volunteers over the age of 50 are screened and then placed with children between the ages of three to 14 that have no or limited access to their natural grandparents. And our volunteers commit to about two to four hours a week for a minimum of one year. And they do things together, activities that the children enjoy, that they, the volunteer shares their um, skills and their activities that they enjoy. Um, so it's kind of a mutual beneficial um, shared uh, time together and um, the second program that we currently offer is called the school grandparent program and that's where I place screen volunteers over the age of 50 in elementary schools to help usually with the one-to-one -one literacy program so a lot of our volunteers support early uh, literacy in children and in elementary kids and they're not just matched to one child usually they're usually paired with a resource teacher and and um, support a number of children in each classroom so those are our two kind of current programs that we offer we also have some volunteers that act as ambassadors and so they get out into the community and promote the organization we are very small so a lot of people haven't heard about us just because we do have limited funding it's just basically me as a program manager working part-time and so we do pockets of promotion here and there and then i um, usually get an influx of applications from families and volunteers and i process them and then we do a little bit more promotion periodically and so we kind of kind of try to balance uh, how much we get out into the community with what we can manage um, and then I wanted to mention that we um, we are always seeking volunteers so we usually have quite a wait list for for families um, we serve Vancouver is one of the main areas that we serve but obviously we serve Burnaby um, as well and um, New West and we also have volunteers and families in North Vancouver and West Vancouver as well so those are kind of our main areas that we serve are there questions people have yes um, uh, number one uh, for funding um, have you ever considered heading up the uh, uh, Vancouver Foundation? Yes, I, I, I believe I've applied for Vancouver Foundation grant a couple of years ago. I haven't hit them up for a while, but I know with this, especially with this COVID uh, pandemic, they are, uh, they have a new source of funding to help uh, nonprofits with connection, especially connecting isolated seniors. So that's one thing that we are looking into right now because we are trying to create more of a virtual presence and really support our volunteers to continue to be connected to their families virtually. I know some of the guidelines for getting together are easing up a little bit, but I think still we have to um, ensure social distancing at this time. So that's one thing we are looking into. Um, we have our main source of funding right now is through our gaming. That's what our core funding is. But then I get pockets of grants. Like I get, you know, I apply for like a Walmart grant that we've had support. We've had support from the city of Burnaby. Um, so pockets of funding, but our core funding is through provincial gaming. <laughs> yeah, we did have um, a couple. Twice we've received the New Horizons for Seniors grant, which would really help develop our ambassador program. Um, so I, I, I'm always open to looking and applying for grants and funding streams for sure. 
So how do you support your volunteers? Um, do you use, uh, well, of course, for administration, but um, uh, uh, is, is the deal that um, the people are, have their transit paid and things like that as their volunteers, or how does that work? We don't usually cover transit costs, usually, unless there's a, a, a need. Um, usually, we support our volunteer matches through um, phone calls, check-ins, to make sure that their, their matches are progressing well, if there's any challenges or issues that have come up. Um, because matching people is, is quite difficult, because you're looking not only for a fit with the senior and the parent, but you want the senior and the child to get along as well. So there's a whole dynamic that we do with our matching. So sometimes it needs quite a bit of support to continue to grow and develop and change. Um, so that's how we generally support our matches through phone calls. We do have um, an annual general meeting where people get together and we connect face to face and we also have an annual volunteer appreciation picnic once a year unfortunately this year it's been cancelled for the first time in forever so um, but that's a really good opportunity for us to see face to face how the connections are, are really growing and I would say you know we ask that our volunteers fit for one year but if it's a good match a good fit I've never had a volunteer say, oh, it's been a year, I'm going to try something new. They, they get quite ingrained into the family and connected and they really become like true extended uh, family. Um, people have to go to any kind of background check in order to get involved? Yes, there definitely is a screening process involved. Um, so the first step would be to submit an application um, and a criminal record check. And then uh, also the, you, the volunteers submit uh, five references, which I check. And then there's two interviews, one done at my office in Burnaby, and then the other one done at the volunteer's home. So it's, it's quite an extensive screening because, you know, you are working with a vulnerable population. You want to make sure that the, it's a safe process for the families enrolled. And I should say one of the policies is, is that makes us a little bit different than like the big brothers, big sisters, is that in the first six months of the match, at least one of the parents is present in the visits and that way the parent is really getting to know the volunteer and vice versa. We don't want our, our organization to be seen as like, oh, free screen babysitters, you know, because that's not what we're about. Sure, our volunteers offer a lot of support and relief to parents, especially if it's a single parent situation, but uh, we don't want to be seen as a free screen babysitter. We want to be seen as creating true extended families. Pat, you said your uncle was in, how old was he? When he was involved. Oh, Pat. oh, you said your uncle was involved for quite a while. How old was he? Up to how long was he able to participate? He was uh, with the kids for a few years, and then then actually, we we moved away from that. But a friend of mine <clears throat> with her kids, they be he became Grandpa John to them too. So there was that sort of continuation. But as I said, you know, we all moved, moved on as the kids grew up. But Ty, my son, years later, unbeknownst to me, he would stop off and see Grandpa John, uh, you know, in his later later years. He's dead now, of course. But 
So that's, that's what we see quite a bit. You know, oftentimes initially the volunteer is spending a lot of quality time with the family, but as the years progress and perhaps the, the volunteer slows down a little bit or, or moves to a residence, a new residence, that's when the family and the children step up and really provide that support to the volunteer when they need it. So it's really a circle of, of giving and it's, it's quite amazing to see the, the long-standing uh, relationships that have have, uh, have come out of this uh, program. What what kind of um, uh, training? Uh, what kind of training uh, do you give your volunteers? Yeah, that's a great question. So with our volunteers, they all come from diverse backgrounds. Some of our volunteers have have had children, but have never had their own grandchildren, they've always wanted grandchildren. Other, other volunteers have had their own grandchildren and a lot of experience with children, but have love and time to give to another family. And then other volunteers have never had children of their own, but they've always known that they, they love children. So we have um, a diverse set of experiences and skills. And so with our training, it's more like an orientation to go over our our policies, our procedures, um, and then the ongoing support that we give with the matches. So I do su suggested activities. Um, and also, of course, the parent gets involved with suggesting activities. And when the parent and the grandparents spend time together, they're learning about the family's rules, and the interactions, and trying to be consistent with the rules. So it's kind of an ongoing learning and process. Mm -hmm. But it's hard to have kind of one specific training because the children uh, ages range from three to 14. So our, our safety training, uh, you know, is, is, is kind of focuses on the younger ages um, because the, the older children have a lot more ideas of the activities that they want to do and things like that. So our orientation and safety training is more specific to younger ones to make sure that they're safe. Well, how, what is the program that you're doing with the schools? Yeah, so our school grandparents, uh, they go into the elementary schools. We have a number of partnered schools in Vancouver and in Burnaby. And they're connected usually with either a resource teacher or, or a home movie teacher. And they support kids' uh, literacy. So they're given um, assignments by the teacher and, and directed to who needs additional support and usually sits one-on-one -on -one with uh, the children that need additional support and listens to them read and helps try to um, boost their self-esteem and self-confidence when reading and with their literacy skills. And they usually uh, spend about two to four hours as well in the classroom a week. Did you want to share how, yeah, <laughs> the question danced across the screen out of my head. Uh, with uh, online, what ways are you using online communications with your program now? Yeah, so it's been a challenge for sure. Um, we do, my whole, because, um, sorry, um, Volunteer Burnaby is our sister organization, so we share the office with Volunteer Burnaby. So we've been doing staff meetings through Zoom with 
with volunteer Burgundy staff. And then I've just been doing kind of email outreach, letting them know that I can be connected by Zoom or email or I'm checking my voicemails as well if anyone needs support. But we are really our summer student who's hopefully coming on mid-May to help with the virtual kind of um, support. So if anyone, any volunteer needs additional support on how to access, let's say, a Zoom meeting or how to connect with the um, grandchild in a different way. Um, that's one thing we are looking looking at. Maybe like a pen pal situation, bringing back the old old school writing to each other, things like that. But um, right now, we're just making sure that our current matches are just feeling supported, that we're still here to help where needed. Um, I have an interesting story. I, I received a message from a volunteer grandmother who's been matched in Vancouver to a family who has four children. And this family lives um, on one floor of an apartment. And um, so they don't have their own green space for the kids. And so this volunteer has continuously invited this family over to their home because they have quite a huge lot and garden and they've maintained their social distance but have allowed the family to come and go as as they need just to let the children kind of blow off some steam in a, in a healthy way and have a have a place to actually play and um and that way the volunteers can still you know watch from afar in a safe distance but they're still remaining connected so i kind of thought that was a, a neat idea right because children can get very loud in an apartment building. <laughs> I have one daughter who's four, and uh, I know how loud she can be if she takes <laughs> up inside. So I think it's a win-win for, for both sides there. Definitely. We have one uh, participant. She's not on um, the call now, but a project she wants to do is to interview grandparents about what it means to be a grandparent, but then also kids. So where a person might not directly have uh, Grand, grandchildren, maybe uh, people who have got grandchildren through this program might be people that uh, she could interview because she wanted to get uh, in the interview what does having that person in their life mean to them. Mm, lovely, that sounds like a lovely project. We're always trying to capture the stories behind yeah. the scenes because that's one thing that we we don't do as well as we, we could. So that's why I, I'd be eager to interview even Pat to hear about her history with the program and capture that story. You know, unfortunately, Marjorie passed away in, in 2015, but I had the opportunity to go and meet her um, in 2010 because we we had um, we wrote a little book trying to capture some of the stories and uh, she was just a fascinating lady to just connect with and she was invited to our 2013 AGM where she was the keynote guest speaker because it was a 40 years of program delivery in the community and so when we first reached out to her she was so shocked that we were still around she didn't know that volunteer grandparents still existed so she was so pleasantly surprised that we were still offering the programs that she created and it was just an amazing opportunity just to, to sit down with her and, and pick her brain and she picked my brain and you know it was a, a true collaboration and uh she was just a, a lovely lovely inspirational lady for sure mm -hmm. sure were you going to say something, Pat? No, I was just nodding and agreeing. Oh, <laughs> it made the it made your you know when people are getting ready to talk, a yellow 
a square <laughs> rectangle comes around them, so it lit up oh, your, yeah. your rectangle. <laughs> it's almost uh, like they sense your voice before you actually uh, speak. Yeah, how does it know? <laughs> I don't know, but, but, but that's I've seen at times, you know, mm -hmm. a, a circle around the box and someone hasn't spoken yet, but it's almost like they sense that it's coming out. Or, I don't know. Are <laughs> you clearing your throat? It's like... <clears throat> <laughs> Veronica, would you share your uh, email address, your website and contact information? Sure. So probably the best email is info at volunteergrandparents.ca. So I-N-F-O at volunteergrandparents.ca. Our number is 604-736-8271. And our website uh, is volunteergrandparents.ca. And so there is a lot of information on our website about our history, about Marjorie, about our programs. And all the applications are actually on there as well. Um, and then there's some our past annual reports. So if you want to get a little more in-depth uh, picture of our organization, definitely check it out. We're also on Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Instagram. So yeah, I would definitely encourage anyone to reach out to me if you're interested in volunteering or if you uh, know a family that would benefit from our programs, so please uh, share our information with them. We're always looking for, for wonderful volunteers and to meet the needs of our, our families. Do you have anything, any documents in writing about this? Any documents? Like any little brochures? Yes, I do. Well, when this is over, if you could send about five or six to the 411 Senior Center, we'll be able to put them up and give them to people who come in asking you know, with, you know, because we there are always people who come in with, you know, who want to volunteer, so it'd be really helpful. Perfect, sure, we'll do that. We also have a poster that you can. Do you have a bulletin board? In there? Yep. Yeah, I just all include a poster as well. That would be great. Yeah. Okay, I could suggest maybe uh, information for Century House in New Westminster as well. Mm. Once things are over. Okay. Are you Marion? Yes. Okay, we were right in sort of transitioning from hearing about uh, volunteer grandparents to hearing a little bit more about what's happening. There's a, a, a document that you collaborated, several uh, nonprofits collaborated on. You want to share some information about that? Okay, okay. Well, the 411 Senior Center is part of what we call the Alliance of Senior Centers, not BC, but it really is a Vancouver. So we're part of a, an alliance that includes the South Granville Senior Center and the West End Seniors Network. <clears throat> you know, 411, we, we run an income tax clinic. Um, last year, we did over 2,000 low-income seniors income taxes. But we had to close down because of 411. And we know that seniors are freaking out about this. In fact, this morning, yesterday, I got a call from a... Um, the son of a senior who was wondering about his father's income tax. And today I got a call from a senior who's wondering about their income tax. Mostly people are wondering about their income tax, not, well, in part because they want to be good citizens, but because a lot of, for a lot of low-income seniors, um, they get the guaranteed income supplement. And a guaranteed income supplement is part of the old age security program but it's income-based, and if you do not do your income tax, <clears throat> you know, in July, they cut you off, 
your guaranteed income supplement. And so many seniors need that to live, so, so many. So we know that most senior, and a lot of, you know, we, we're not doing it. 411 Senior Center is not doing our, 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 our income tax clinic, although we're working on ways to hopefully figure it out. And we know that most of the volunteer income tax clinics are closed down. We also know that seniors who are, are the most vulnerable for COVID-19, and so we can't really go out you know, mm -hmm. to H&R Block, and we can't afford H&R Block anyways. So what, we, what we're asking is, is two related things. Thing one, um, um, one is that the um, government delay filing of income tax for seniors until the end of December 2020, as opposed to July 1st, 2020. And the second is that um, people's guaranteed income supplement be maintained at its current rate plus you know the annual quarterly cost of living until december 2020 because if people lose seniors lose the gis they're not going to be able to buy food pay rent or anything like that so that's what we're doing since then i have spoken to the ndp who are on side um but they haven't been able to get a change in policy i've talked to mp hetty fry's office numerous times they say they understand the situation and they're working to resolve it, but nothing has happened. And this morning, once again, I spoke to someone in the office of the Federal Minister of Seniors, and they say they understand our concerns and the government's gonna come up with a, with a program. They're gonna announce it sometime before June 1st. That's all they told me. So, you know, but we know that so many seniors aren't going to be able to get their income tax done and so many seniors are so reliant on the not the guaranteed income supplement mm -hmm. so that's what i've been working on okay. now that the income tax deadline has been delayed what's the relationship between that and the gic gis yeah okay well the income tax deadline has only been delayed to june 1st 2020. oh is that in june okay only june and that's why we want it to be delayed for seniors over 65 until mm. december um so if a se senior does if they don't make, make changes if a senior doesn't get her or his or their income tax done filed by january june 1st 2020 then they're at risk of losing their guaranteed income supplement mm. that's a concern and the problem it's a is a big one yeah just as yeah. the uh, the tax clinic was going to start at the 411 center it was closed so there were about 2,000 people last year so it's going to take longer than june for that number of people to come in and get their their uh, taxes done totally and mm -hmm. that's why that's why we wanted the deadline for seniors over 65 <clears throat> because it, to, to be extended till the end of december 2020 um you know only um and it's only people over That's 65, you. it's only people no. over seniors over 65 who can get the guaranteed income supplement so that's what we're calling for i think, it's very, I, I actually think it's very rational rational and reasonable 
Is there anything that individuals can do? Like you've you sent letters. Who were the representatives that you all sent the petition to? Okay, I, I, we sent them to um, the three MPs that cover the have ridings with the senior centers. That's um, Jody Wilson Raybold, um, Jenny Kwan, and Hetty Fry. We also send it to the Federal Minister of Taxation, the um, Federal Minister of Finance, the Federal Minister responsible for seniors, and I think Trudeau. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What would be great is, yes, if, if seniors could phone their MPs and say, look, it's, you know, we're all told we can't go out. We're most vulnerable for COVID-19. We can't get our income tax done. We're worried about either ourselves or our friends or neighbors getting their income tax done. So please, for goodness sakes, um, you know, guarantee that until December 2020, at, at the earliest, seniors will, 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 if they don't, you know, if they don't get their income tax done, they'll have their guaranteed income supplement maintained at the current levels. And how do people find out if someone wanted to call their their MP? How do they find out their contact information? Mostly online, you know. You, you can actually, uh, and I, 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 because I know MPs, I'm not sure how you do it, but there is a way you can do it online, and um, and, and give your address, and they'll tell you who your MP is. That's exactly right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm, not, is, um, I'm not good at that. I'll, 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 I, I've done this. So you can, all you have to do is ask Mrs. Google. Hmm. Um, I live at, and I can, I can do that right now. Um, but I had something to say I, about, about getting your taxes done. Um, what I did is I, I, I had somebody do it for me. And so I called her and she said, well, I'm doing it by mail. Uh, so I, what I did is I, um, uh, if uh, the person is uh, tech savvy, um, they can do it. Um, they can get, they can scan their documents, and then, e and then I'm sure uh, 411 Senior still has volunteers, people who are willing to do this. Uh, that they would email it to you, uh, Marion, or or to whoever's in charge of this. And then, and then send it out to the people who are doing the taxes because I'm sure that um, uh, a lot of uh, low-income seniors have very simple taxes to do. I, mm -hmm. I did it at Downtown East for many years. Um, if, if only it was that easy. When another I, way of doing it. No, just hang on. Can, I want to respond to that. Okay. One of the, uh, sadly, is big, we're caught up by um, Revenue Canada regulations and they are, they say, and I mean, and they haven't changed this yet. They say for privacy rights, people's income tax information can't be sat, scanned and sent electronically. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so that's, you know, I think your idea makes sense, but that's not, Revenue Canada has a different view. There's a lot of bullshit done in the name of privacy. Which I'm not. I, I, I'm just saying. I'm not making any comments. I'm just saying that's what yeah, they're saying. Yeah, yeah. Another way that you can do it. 
Uh, you talking though, just how can you contact your MP? Because we can't send the document mm -hmm. just on advocacy. If people wanted to follow up with just writing their uh, their representative, uh, you mentioned uh, Google. I, I noticed I put in Jenny Kwan's name, and within seconds, information came up uh, about her. So that might be one way if someone just does you know yeah. types in the, if types in the name. If they mm -hmm. don't know who represents them, do you? I guess put in the zip code, your postal code. Yeah, you put yes. in the postal code and, and you got it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, another way that you can do it um, is you can mail your documents. Yes. No, you're right. And, and we're doing it. You're right. And, and that's one of the way, things that we're like, we're looking at setting up all these processes. It's, it, it just takes a while, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think you're 100% right about mailing, and I think that's a really good idea. Yeah. yeah, so my hunch is these people that you're helping don't have computers, is that right, mostly? Yeah, yeah, I mean, what we see at 411, not only in terms of this, but in so many things, especially in terms of information and referral, is that so many seniors, low-income seniors, either don't have, com there, there's three things, don't have computers, don't have can't afford the internet mm -hmm. and or in terms of filling out forms just don't feel comfortable filling them out yeah mm -hmm. so so there's there's three different things but so many we know um leslie raymond our ed knows about studies that said um you know use of, of computers and the internet is totally related to income yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah. Now, yeah. now there's two people, Marion, in our center. Um, uh, David, I think his last name is Haldeman, and then Bonnie, and they're the ones who are working real hard at getting uh, low-income seniors their computer and getting their um, they're bugging people to uh, uh, give these people uh, uh, various uh, corporations to give these people free internet. Mm. Yes. yes. The problem is, though, with the center closed, just uh, as we got new computers to give to people that had been yeah. donated, the yeah. very week that they were going to be distributed was the yeah. week that we had to close because mm -hmm. of safe distancing requirements. So well, it's we're just... Open. We're going we, to be open. We need we a... We have to get it extended. Because, uh, in yeah. fact, I'll write Don, da Don Davies as uh, my guy. My that would be so good. Write him. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would be that would be so helpful, right? Uh, uh, no, that's fine. And I'll just put it out. Uh, say on uh, Facebook to say, "Hey, I wrote da 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 da," and say, "Okay, all you, all you uh, disturbers of uh, you know <laughs> things, <laughs> get out there." <laughs> well, that's kind of how we vision the ambassadors. You know, aside from podcasting, sharing the information and talking. Then, as you know something, you know, telling somebody else, and I, I think that was a great idea. If you post it uh, onto Facebook, yeah. then other people can see and know to look up their representative. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Leslie, uh, mm -hmm. today I think you and uh, Neil were going to do a, a sample from there's a book and poem that you're alternating, but 
Um, oh, that's, um, we have to both be together. And Neil had something else on today. I think he had a medical appointment today. Um, he was mentioning, apparently you do another poetic thing on Mondays. Uh, he thought that, and I'm not part of that Monday group. So uh, we can either do it next Monday or next Thursday when we're both together. Okay. Yeah. Well, Monday is quite a, open, open yeah. like poetry that. Yeah. So maybe next Thursday, it's quite lengthy. So um, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 minutes. Well, what we we had talked about, Robin and I had talked uh, talking about stories. A number of our, our um, members have got stories. And when the story mm -hmm. goes on beyond five minutes, it gets to be long. But we thought if things that are interesting is doing a, a series because uh, CBC and some other sites that have podcast stories that, that are spinoffs from their main uh, podcast, it's, it's an episode. So we might hear the first, you know, five to eight minutes of that and then continue it. It could be a running thing because. Uh, oh yeah, I'm sure we could do sections of it because it's, uh, it's very easy to divide up. He's broken into, he's written uh, a, a list of, I think about a dozen short stories and they're quite short. And then I've interspersed them with some poetry of mine. Uh, and it's all based around childhood memories. So yeah, I think, it, yeah, we could divide it up very easily. Okay, let's see, are you gonna do your poetry and Jordy again? Poetry and Jordy? <laughs> oh. <laughs> what was that? Weren't, weren't you the one who, um, or, or um, somebody was uh, reading um, a poem um, and it was really funny and really, really very good. Um, and, and they were doing it in, uh, mostly the dialect of Newcastle and Tyne. I'm probably gotten wrong first. Uh, no, that's not me. I don't, I yeah. don't do Geordie very well. Uh, okay. <laughs> no, no, but it was, and, and she had the accent and it was, oh. so yeah. I thought it was you. That's okay. Oh, that sounds like fun. Oh, it was wonderful. You know, it's interesting. Have, uh, if any other people had comments or thoughts about the medical appointments by uh, video, we had four different people that had to be by their, uh, phone or computer today because they had a medical appointment scheduled by video. Have any of you mm -hmm. experienced that? Uh, well, my husband had one with a physiotherapist last week. Mm -hmm. um, and it was very good because the physiotherapist showed him his x-rays and then she watched him, she watched his movements. So it was, it was quite good. It went very well. So he just this walked is something. in front of the, the he walked in front of the computer. Mm -hmm. yeah. This is something that in not as in my capacity as 411, but in my capacity as a patient I've been looking at. And my you know, my concerns are are in some of them, although I thought thought it was the one is that it's a question of how they keep my medical information, right? Mm -hmm. Like, is it kept in the cloud? You know, who has access yeah. to it? Yeah. Um, and does any of it go to the states? Because I certainly don't want my medical information to be captured oh. by the Patriot Act, right? Exactly, yeah. Mm. Yeah, those are valid concerns. And apparently there are a lot of security concerns around Zoom. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's been um, hacked, yeah. I actually would be happier doing that kind of thing over Skype because I think Skype's much more secure. But mm -hmm. 
that's just everybody seems to like zoom these days do they did they give you I a think choice zoom, i mean for me zoom is easier to install than skype well of course the the advantage of zoom is that you can have a hundred people yeah yeah up to, did, up to 100. did they give you a choice when they said you were going to have your appointment by video conferencing no, it was just Zoom. That's all they offered. And, and this is where it becomes hard, right? Because um, on the one hand, seniors were not supposed to go out, right? Mm -hmm. and, you know, and I don't have a car, so if I if I had to go to see my doctor, I'd have to take like two buses, right? Mm. Um, but the other thing is, you know, there is a platform that's like a co-op you know i mean i also don't want you know like all you know this money to be spent so i can do a medical appointment i think it should be you know i i, I don't know how to explain it i think companies like Telus are making money off this and i don't like that what of people meeting on the internet of uh, having these platforms these platforms where you can see your doctor they're not free to, you know, they're not free for, for, um, they're not free for medical clinics. They're, they're oh, paying that's right. Yeah. Businesses have to pay for the application. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, but it, cause we have a few people who were active with us who are, they can't afford their internet. So they're not able they either have to go to someone yeah. else's house to mm. have them contact them, which is, you know, both a security and a safe distancing is issue. Mm -hmm. And there's some people that have, you know, called cause they're heartbreaking that they can't get in on the program because they have a phone, but if their phone is part of a package or a bundle, they can't afford, um, you know, the costs, they can't afford the extra costs. When 411 was, was in full operation, there were volunteers that advocated on behalf of some people. They advocated with TELUS or Shaw, whoever they had their uh, bill with to get the bill lowered. But that's one of the issues where, you know, we were looking at who, who is uh, the person to talk to over that kind of expense that seniors have or that type of uh, block that we have to a means of getting things done, like a medical appointment. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a totally reasonable concern, like totally. Is yeah. there a is who's who is over telecommunications? I mean, what ministry? Are well, you this is a problem. Telecommunications. That's a CRTC, right? Yeah, it's federal. Mm -hmm. So the pricing, what that people can charge in different provinces, is left. Federally controlled, or is it left up to the province? Federally controlled. Yeah. There, there, there's this group that's much, much more active in Vancouver, but they're quite active in Burnaby, called Acorn, Acorn Canada, and they're a group of low and moderate income people, and they have been having a long campaign to have to lower internet costs and lower cell phone costs. You know, and. and and they, and they've been doing really important work. They also just lost their case with the federal government, I believe, recently, where the costs aren't being lowered. Mm -hmm. um, Sickening. There's no reason for it. No, it's true. Yeah. Um, 
you know, like anything, though, the the lobbyists with those big moneyed corporations like wireless, um, they have a lot more they have a lot more buying power than the citizenry does. And so that's why it's really important as citizens um, to to voice our opinions to the, the minister when they're making these kinds of decisions, because otherwise they just hear from the lobby. Yeah. Mm. Well, I'll, I mean, if, if people think it's a good idea, I'll take this up with the board, the 411 board and the seniors issues committee. Because I, I never thought about it in a way that Charlotte put, that um, that p some people just don't have access to the internet or a cell phone. So I'll I'll do that if people think it's a good idea. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are people who are. I mean, it's a great deal of anxiety because if they say this is how you have to have your your appointment. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't have a phone, then you go and ask someone. I think that's, I mean, people really, you know, in tears and, and anxious or frustrated that other things, other services, even more services that they are providing remotely, or people are saying they intend to provide remotely. And the BC Minister of Education announced last week that they bought 2,000 computers, laptops, and put them in the homes of families that uh, couldn't afford them so the kids would be able to catch up their work. They also contracted with tech people to go out to their their homes, just like uh, Best Buy has the Geek Squad. I'm not saying that they contracted the Geek Squad, mm -hmm. but in the same manner, they, they uh, hired people. It didn't say we were thinking about hiring. When he announced that last week, he said, we have hired people, tech people to go out, set the computers up for the families and show them how to get on it. So mm -hmm. I think that we, somebody <laughs> but as an advocacy issue for for seniors it's really you know important for uh seniors to have them because more and more things are being offloaded over get the information mm -hmm. you know by this website or get the information or transmit your documents you have to transmit the document as a secure document like your life insurance policy mm -hmm. i made some changes in a, in a policy and agents are no longer delivering policies they have to uh, have a person go through an electronic sign-up. So mm. I think that really being able to find out who's the person to advocate to or um, ask the uh, the finance minister, whoever we yeah. need to ask, we need mm. to say if that could be done uh, by the um, Ministry of Education minister for the province can our Minister Dix do something toward uh, helping seniors to have uh, access to a computer because it's vital mm -hmm. for social, you know, social benefit and for health benefit. Yeah, yeah. There's a, another issue around seniors and computers too. Is um, actually, you know, lots of them are afraid of computers or aren't confident around computers. Some of them just don't seem to be able to. Um, get the skills necessary i mean my sister-in-law god love her she bought a computer because everybody had a computer but she's absolutely hopeless and we've given her instructions and helped her time and time again and then she just forgets and right now she says well i don't have an email well we've set her up with an email at least three times and she's still saying she doesn't have an email you know it's uh my my everything okay mary 
Yeah, I just can't. I have my, my phone's just falling. Sorry. No, I, I know my. I have a friend who's the same age as my mother, and she's uh, my my friend here in Burnaby. Uh, she's um, uh, she's totally computer literate, you know. Mm. And I email her and things like that. And but my mother, just people, you know, people have analog brains, and they don't have just. You know, people get left behind. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and, and actually, this would be re really, and I never thought about it in terms of this medical stuff, but I actually think it's, I mean, at, at 411, this whole issue of the digital divide, we see all the time. And I think to do like a podcast, and I talked to Charlotte a while ago, but very, very, very briefly on that, like very briefly. To do a to do a podcast on seniors and the digital divide, I think that would be great mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because I think that it's you know you have to fill out forms on you know the the you know the there's so much that you have to do on mm -hmm. on um, you know on, online and that so many seniors can't do it yeah. And I think, well, also, it sometimes it takes more patience. Um, I'm older than my sister, but my uh, my sister has had several times lost her passwords or different things, mm -hmm. and so uh, her daughter and I were on about three hours a day. But she finally <laughs> mastered being able to get some things done via Zoom. But you know, within this group, there have some people that have called. Um, I won't give the name, but there there are a couple of people that have called another person and just in not rushing them because sometimes a person could get so anxious that they're not grasping it mm -hmm. that you know they don't hear or they feel like people are going to say you know oh you know boomer or whatever derogatory thing about how long it takes but you know there are two people that did help another person uh you know on the phone see that little triangle to understand what uh the, the google story is or the microsoft story is and how to download the app and then uh, understanding how to just navigate. So I think it's a, it, those of us that are more literate and more of the things that are happening even within this group as people discover how to do it if they turn the keys and unlock it for somebody else and make uh, people really feel welcome and comfortable with what, you know, you know, like last week we were looking for that button. I didn't see the little carrot and somebody was telling me a carrot down at the bottom. You know, I, I I didn't I didn't know. I felt so much happier when somebody told me about the carrot. So I think that that's one of the things that we had talked about as 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 ambassadors that this program is intended to help make peer leaders. And so as each of us, as we as uh, coordinators, mm -hmm. mentors, facilitators, help turn the lights on for some people, then those people help turn the lights on for others. So I think that. Uh, it's not that they can't learn, it's just that sometimes um, they're barriers and sometimes it's the, the pressure and feeling that they're going to be denigrated or, or even frustration with themselves. Sometimes you just mm. have to see it a few more times. I think <laughs> it's test. <laughs> I think it's beyond just seeing it also. Um, you know, as a as a radio maker, I see this all the time and it's not a, a it's not something between age ages 
uh, young people experience this as well. Um, when they're just shown how to do things, um, they don't have an opportunity to create the cell memory that it actually takes to recall how to do the thing that they they need to do again, whether that's find their email icon or whether that's, you know, record their voice or make the sound come up on the board um, when they're making radio. And so I think, you know, when we're talking about any kind of technology um, to do and show, but also to have that person do it themselves um, and not just once, but, a couple of times, times so that they can they can more easily recall that activity and that action um, mm-hmm. from their own brain right rather than it's like oh I remember but it's all mixed and mingled with all of the other things that I was mm-hmm. shown how to do right and that's where the the confusion comes in a lot mm-hmm. um, and I think you know there's there's something and again I see this in radio all the time where there's this idea that technology will break and that all of a sudden you will have exploded the world. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not true. Um, That's that fear, right? It totally is fear. Yeah. Um, And, and so, you know, demystifying that you can hit all the buttons and it's not going to do anything Mm -hmm. that you can recover um, I think is also a really important aspect to, to demystifying how yeah. everybody, um, and like I said, it's, it's, not just a, it's not just a senior's issue. Mm. Um, I think kids who grow up with technology, um, they seem like they have this savvy, but it really is because they're unafraid to push all the buttons, mm-hmm. right? you know, right. and they figure it out. Yeah, because they're not afraid to push all the buttons, um, and we can figure it out too. We just have to hit all the buttons. Yeah, yeah but you have to have the confidence to hit the buttons. I remember when we first started using computers, like a few years back, and you know everybody was so afraid they were going to accidentally erase stuff. Yes, you know, my work's going to disappear. But, well, no, because the computer always sends you a message and asks you if you're sure. But. We were so afraid we were going to like destroy everything. And, and I'm pretty computer savvy, but I can't like I can't get my camera and my computer to work in Zoom. Hmm. You know, I have to do it on my cell phone. But you know, going back to what you said, Charlotte, you know, there are about eighteen, at least eighteen thousand low-income seniors in BC. Those are at least those are if we just talk about the GIS. I. I people receiving the guaranteed income supplement. And I, and, and I don't think that any government has a capacity to, to give away 18,000 computers, right? Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, in many ways, rather than arguing for everyone to get computers, I think we have to say there has to be other ways to do this, right? If someone does not have, you know, have the technology, do it by the phone or for goodness sakes, I mean, I'm old enough to remember when the doctor came to my house. That's right. Yeah, well, exactly. We have to keep other options open. There are always going to be people that don't have access to a computer. Okay, well, there's two things I wanted to say. Number one, um, my clinic, uh, I'm a patient that reached clinic, and they phone people Mm -hmm. because it's, you know, uh, 
go moderate income people uh, and plus yes. people with issues. Uh, another thing I want to say is um, about technology. Um, number one, FYI, a lot of kids aren't in that, aren't naturals to this. I mm. teach them. <laughs> yes. Um, number one. Number two. Um, yeah, the uh, uh, when when things started out, the uh, technicians that you would call to save to save my bacon, they were just rude and why don't you do it so fast? So somehow, mm. some way, especially with uh, uh, Best Buy, uh, um, the Geek Squad is very good. They're very patient. And, and I love those guys. I, you know, they, they help me technologically. Um, but the, the millennials uh, seem to be a little more patient. And I ask them, can you give me a little more time? My site's not great. I can't find things easily. Where is it? Tell me direction. And, and uh, they're usually fine. They're getting a little better. But one thing that I've learned is we have time. <laughs> we have a lot of time for things now. Don't we? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm thinking that we we're right now going through calling people that we that have an internet. We have both their phone number and we have their email uh, to see what's the barrier to their getting on. In some cases, people are just uh, confused, or some cases, people. Uh, it's just de demystifying. We're finding out, actually been asked to find out because uh, I understand that a number of senior centers are looking at doing delivery of their programs through uh, virtual media, looking mm. at doing things like uh, craft classes or yoga, a number of things, and kind of looking within this program as a demonstration project, to what extent are we able to help people uh, whether it's by their phone or whether it's by, you know, a laptop or notebook, help them to get engaged in uh, listening, talking, as we've been doing for four weeks now. We've had a variety of people on who shared stories, poems. Uh, one has done, uh, used, learned how to set up her own Zoom room, interviewed someone, and we're going to play it. There's one little thing that we're learning too as we talk, you know, how close, how voice changes from when you move close to the screen. Sometimes when you move close to the screen, it makes it warble. Uh, sometimes different things happening, so happen. So as we learn those things, we are creating a reservoir of information to share with other seniors. There's a, a, a community center that was going to join us today. They're going to be joining us. They call America, uh, Mariko, and uh, she asked if we would connect them because they plan to do this with their center and they're looking at how is it working for us and what things have to be done to make it easier for people to either, the first piece of technology that everybody has in common is, you know, their phone. And there's so many things that people don't know about their phone. And in one of our first or second meetings with this podcast group, uh, Luke showed people how to use the phone. We had people uh, get their uh, voice recorder out. And uh, last week, Chris read a story that she first recorded on her uh, phone. So this is a piece of technology that we can mm -hmm. also explore more deeply how to get people uh, 
familiar with because some people say i don't touch anything i don't know about the apps yeah. it's like they're as you said they're afraid to touch things and some phone. of us don't have a smartphone i've just got a flip phone i just use it for um mm -hmm. for text messages and phone calls for emergencies that's it i don't want a smartphone <laughs> so but I mean, that's that's one of the things that we know that we're able to do in part of what our mm -hmm. you know part, uh, ambassador program is doing, helping to turn on the lights for other people with that first initial thing that most of us have in common is at least the phone, because that's how they find out about classes or they call to find mm -hmm. out the center's closed, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, and there, there have been some donations of phones that uh, might be another way of getting people um a smartphone but you know we can't do anything with those phones until you know we're able to reach out and touch and put things in you know their hands yeah in terms of 411 um some the ukulele program some of the people are, are practicing through zoom and stuff and i think one of the spanish classes is but you know as, as people may know we're, we're, we've been trying to build a new center for like 12 years, right? And finally, it appears that we're gonna be able to break ground in to start construction in July. And we are actually hoping to do exactly what Charlotte said um, it, it, as part of our new senior center, is make it partially a virtual senior center. That's why this experience as a podcast and stuff is so helpful because we want some of it to be virtual you know so we're trying to figure it out luke actually knows way more about this than i do the virtual part yeah for sure it's really interesting right now uh, just talking to leslie about building the new center and how we're going to have to rethink about a lot of you know the designs of the center um as a result of all this covid stuff so yeah. it's it's actually really uh, exciting to be working on right now, but uh, lots of lots of uncertainty going forward for sure. Okay, so what we usually and we want to thank you, thank Luke for helping. We're getting the the podcast up and posted, and he has helped um, Sylvie. There have been people that uh, he's been able to help with particular challenges that they had with moving forward with things that they'd heard about and learned about. Uh, I get a lot of calls and, and uh, email from people who are attempting to do things. So we do know that there is interest and we do know that what each of you do is very valuable because just like Pat reached out to uh, uh, have a, for us to have an interview and uh, meet Veronica, there uh, next week we're going to have some people from Costco. Uh, at the end of the meeting last week, I think it was Gail mentioned uh, well, two of you mentioned Costco. There were yeah. questions or things that you'd like to have them answer. So uh, Linda and I think the president of Costco are going to be on our, our call next week. But are there any things that people want to volunteer uh, that you are burning to do or share next week? No, and unfortunately, I've got to go because I have another phone call. So thank you very much for having me, and I'd like to participate in future ones. All right, thank you for coming. Thank you. Yeah, okay. before we leave, perhaps Veronica could type her contact information into the chat window because uh, she went very fast when she gave her uh, phone number and website and email. Sure, I'll add that on there right now. Okay, cool. I, I was so, just wondering about 
all the meetings that have already happened already here on Zoom, are they recorded someplace so you can go back and listen to them? Yes, they're recorded and we, we, we the first one is being posted now. We're going to post uh, four and then we'll be working toward a point where uh, a few days uh, after. But we where are they posted? Uh, Anchor. Luke, can you explain where they're being posted? Yeah, so uh, they're just posted on, um, they're posted as audio files as on the podcast sites. So if you type in Powered by Age into any of the podcast apps, it should come right up. So um, on Powered by Age, it has a website and there there's an audio file. Is that what you're saying? Uh, well, I am. we do have a Powered by Age website that I will put them okay. on. Okay, okay. Um, but we just literally just did that last night, so uh, okay, it's coming. Is it powered by age, age friendly city, or just powered by age? It's just poweredbyage.com. By the way, um, I have my little limerick, and it is about COVID, so I thought send send us off with this tiny little thing. It's funny, I think. Okay. <laughs> But well, one more, more point before, uh, next week, Leslie and Neil are doing just an excerpt from their compilation. Okay. Um, I did have some poems for today, but I guess we don't have time. You know what, the one thing that this thing doesn't have that it should have is a big clock in the corner. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, it is after two, uh, Charlotte. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, I'll zip with this then, and then we can... Yeah, Limerick's short. And they're short. There's a colorful bug named COVID who's been around since Ovid. Hmm. So it changed its name like his buddy Black Plague. It was so rude to their house they exude into our bods of deadly flu. So, so COVID and his spikes can take a long hike off the shortest pier imaginable. <laughs> Thank you. That's cute. That's great. Uh, Pat, you said you had something short? Not me. Oh, who said that? Yeah, yes, I've, I I've got, um, actually I wrote a couple of poems inspired I, I, by the, uh, the quarantine. Um, and there may be about a minute if I read one of those. I've got to go because I'm going yeah. to a ukulele class right now. Okay. Okay. So I, I guess we're out of time. Also, <laughs> because I'm expected on another call, Thursdays is my busy day. <laughs> okay. Nice meeting you, Veronica. Nice meeting you. Thank you so much for inviting me to this. Yeah, it was great. An opportunity for me as well. Okay. Bye-bye. Great. Thank you, Veronica. Bye for now. Bye-bye. See you. Okay, Leslie, did you want to share it? Um, yeah, any, mini, mini, mo. Okay, um, I was sort of, I felt that my time has been kind of, I've had nowhere to go and everything's been kind of amorphous and I came up with this thing called blob. <laughs> my life stretches out in all four directions like a formless amorphous amoeba, a blob floating in the void in the vast ocean of time bathed in primordial fluid. I stretch my protoplasm into an aimless tentacle, a shapeless fingerless hand as I reach out to you. 
Let us join together. Let us vibrate our cilia. Let us do the DNA dance, the mitochondrial mamba, the RNA rumba, the cellular slide, the twist of fate. We will grow together as one and grow larger as we expand. We will reach out to other blobs. We will weave a web of tentacles to form a parachute to lift us up from the primordial soup into the clear blue sky. Wow. This I is like wonderful. that very much. Yeah. Really nice. Thank you. Yeah, so that was a happy one. My other one was a bit dark. So. <laughs> I'll save that for another time. Okay. Okay. I'm happy. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. This has been another episode, our May 7th episode of Powered by Age, Age-Friendly City Ambassadors. And we are welcoming you to join us at this same time. We're on one on Thursdays. And you can send an email to pbaafc pbaafc at gmail.com if you're interested in joining our podcast. <laughs>